0: I Heard the Bells, words by Henry W. Longfellow, music by John B. Calkin This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, good will. Well, you're listening to Quad Dot Rocks, God the World and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price your host. Our mission you've got it, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is season 12, episode 247. Title: A World Without Christmas. Subtitle: My Christmas Wish for the World. Most of the people on planet Earth live in a world without Christmas. Have you ever given any thought to what that world must be like? I remember one of my youngest son's high school friends, whose family are immigrants from another country where Christmas is not celebrated or acknowledged. The sister to my son's friend, who was in junior high school at the time, told her parents that she wanted to celebrate Christmas. It was the first time I had ever given any thought to what it would be like to grow up as a kid without Christmas to not hear about or know the stories of the angel Gabriel's visitations and announcements to Zechariah the priest, the Virgin Mary, and Mary's fiancé Joseph, or the angelic messages to the shepherds and the wise men, all surrounding the birth of Jesus the Messiah, to not know or believe that a Savior has been born to us on our behalf, who is Christ the Lord, I wonder how on earth anybody faces the struggles of this life in a world without Christmas, especially in light of the unique stresses of the past couple of years. I've been doing a lot of listening to books that are in the public domain, mainly through the YouTube platform. In Horatio Bonar's book, The Night of Weeping, or Words for the Suffering Family of God, which was originally published in 1845, He makes the most profound comments that give us some insights into what that world is like. Though the perspective of the book is focused on words of encouragement to Christians who are suffering, in his preface on pages 4 and 5, Bonar writes, On December 19th, isn't that interesting? It's on December 19th, just before Christmas, 1845. It is of family concerns that we speak, and in these each member has a common interest. The household of faith has many concerns, and not the least of these are its sorrows. These are the lot of all, and there is no member of the household but has his share in these, either in personal suffering or in helping to bear the burden of others. What is now written may be found suitable to all, whether actually under chastisement or not. It is, however, presented specially to those who, in heaviness through manifold temptations, suffering the rebuke of the Lord, passing through fire and through water, with affliction laid upon their loins. The hands which hang down must be lifted up, and the feeble knees confirmed. That which is lame must not be turned out of the way, but rather healed. Our desire is to minister to the saints in the consolation and admonition of the Lord. We seek to bear their burdens, to bind up their wounds, and to dry up at least some of their many tears. To comfort those that mourn is not only to act in obedience to the command. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It is to walk by the side of Jesus in his visits of mercy to his suffering saints on earth. Nay, it is to be fellow workers with the Holy Ghost as the church's comforter in all her tribulations and distresses. Of these things the world knows little. Its sympathies are not with the saints either in their sorrow or their joy. Family concerns, and especially family griefs, are not for strangers to intermeddle with. They are things too high for them. And how shall they understand them so long as they remain without? They must first come in and take their place among the children, beneath the paternal roof. And what should stay them? The gate stands open day and night. They would be welcomed in with the kindliest greetings of love. But though standing afar off from the saints and unable to mingle its sympathies with theirs, still the world has sorrows of its own, deep and many to grieve and yet have no comforter, to be wounded and yet have no healer, to be weary and yet know no resting place. This is the world's hard lot, yet it is a self-chosen one. God did not choose it for them. They chose it for themselves. God invites, nay, pleads hard with them to quit, yet they will not. Wretched as it is, They yet prefer it to the friendship of him with whom their heart is at enmity and whose presence is to them all gloom and terror. Yet he continues to entreat them. He does not let them alone. The many sorrows which compass them about are his many messages of grace, his unwearied knockings at their fast closed door. He writes vanity upon the creature, weariness and vexation upon earth's best delights, that men may not place their confidence in these. Most mercifully does he hedge them about with disappointment of every form, that they may lift their eyes above this earth and beyond these heavens to the enduring blessedness that is at his right hand forever. With what kindness, though with seeming severity, does he mar their best friendships that he may attract them to the communion of his own far better and everlasting companionship? With what compassion does he break in upon their misguided attachments, that he may draw them away from earth and bind them to himself by the more blessed ties of his own far sweeter love? With what tenderness does he tear asunder the bonds of brotherhood and kindred, that he may unite them to himself in far dearer and eternal relationship? With what mercy does he overthrow their prospects of worldly wealth and bring down their hopes of earthly power and greatness, that he may give them the heavenly treasure?' and make them a royal priesthood to himself in the glorious kingdom of his Son. With what love does he ruin their reputation among men, breaking in pieces their good name, which was their idol, that he may show them the vanity of human praise, leading them to desire the honor that comes from God, to know that in his favor is life, and that the light of his countenance is the very sunshine of heaven." Oh, that a weary, broken-hearted world would learn these lessons of grace. Oh, that they would taste and see that God is good. Let them but come home to Him. He will not mock them with shadows, nor feed them upon husks. He will satisfy their craving souls. He will turn their midnight into noon. He will give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness. The Planting of the Lord, December 19, 1845. Bonar rightly points out for those who live in a world without Christmas, they are outside the family of God, the household of faith. They don't have family to bear their troubles, to bind up their wounds, to help comfort them and dry up at least some of their many tears. They do not know what it is like to have God as their father. In the midst of their world sorrows, They grieve and have no comforter. They are wounded and have no healer. They are weary and know no resting place. Living in a world without Christmas is a hard lot. Yet, a person who has grown up in a world without Christmas does not have to stay in that hard place, outside the family of God. God pleads hard with them to give up their hostile attitude of their heart. Thankfully, it's in the core of God's nature that He does not leave them alone but instead continues in love to knock at their heart's door through the avenue of the many sorrows in their lives which orbits them, a sense of meaninglessness, weariness, exasperation, disappointments, marred friendships and relationships, loss of wealth, power, prestige, and reputation, all, get this my friend, with the intended message of His grace— It is my Christmas wish that our weary, broken-hearted world would learn these lessons of grace, that they would taste and see that God is good, that the world without Christmas would come home to Him and have the cravings of their souls satisfied, that they would receive a new life through the gift of Christmas, Jesus, a life that is beautiful, happy, light-hearted, and right in every way. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace. Then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. With peace on earth, goodwill will to men. End of I Heard the Bells. Words by Henry W. Longfellow. Music by John B. Calkin. Sung by Megan Kunkel.